This show gives great, often not known, options for visiting Argentina, one of the most versatile South American countries. Enjoy. Welcome to the Travel Advice Show. Uh, thank you for listening all around the world. And you can listen to all our shows at TravelAdviceShow.com. And I'm Chris Newton, one of the co-hosts. And I'd like to introduce my other co-host, Jerry Four. Uh, how you doing, Jerry? Excellent. Oh, wonderful. Would you like to introduce our, our great topic today and guest today? Um, yeah. I would. All right. um, we're excited to have Martha Tavaro with us today. Marnella Tours, and uh, we're going to talk about Argentina. Welcome, Martha. Thank you for having me here again. I'd love to uh, get you acquainted with Argentina and uh, mostly the areas that most people don't hear about right. or yeah. sometimes don't know about. So I'm yeah. excited. Yeah. So whenever you guys are ready, we're we're off and running. All right. We're right. running. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Anyway, uh, as, as you're aware, Argentina is one of the most European countries that we have in Latin America. Actually, uh, when you arrive to Buenos Aires, you could be anywhere in Europe. You could be in Paris or Rome or Madrid. Just by seeing the architecture, it's like you have to do a double take and say, excuse me, I thought I was in South America, but this has nothing to do with the rest of South America. That's true. Right? And yes, you walk right. around the streets and you look at those buildings and you could be anywhere in Paris. Especially it's very the roundabouts. Beautiful. <laughs> they yeah. have lots of roundabouts mm-hmm. in Buenos Aires. Exactly. And you can take the uh, a nice uh, hop-on, hop-off tours that are available to anybody that doesn't want to to get into a tour per se. Uh, but again, it's it's a it's a city that you can walk around. It's very very nice. Uh, it's it's worthwhile spending a few days. So we might as well start with Buenos Aires, sure. and from there we'll start spinning off to other cities in Argentina. Okay. All right. Great. Of course, the main thing in Buenos Aires is. Uh, besides the city itself, which is beautiful, is its tango. It's known for the tango. People go there to learn how to dance it, to just watch it. You can uh, sit in a sidewalk cafe and really enjoy the area and just watch a couple maybe dancing or playing the accordion. And it's really quite, uh, it's a very inexpensive way of spending an afternoon if you want to also, no? In the area of Recoleta, which is a park, and besides that, the highlight of Recoleta is a cemetery, believe it or not. But this cemetery is very special because it's very similar to the ones we have in New Orleans. And the monuments are, you, you go there to walk around and see all these incredible monuments, starting from, of course, Evita Peron, 
that is uh, buried there. So she has one of the most beautiful uh, monuments there for uh, her burial and all her family. So it's uh, it's a day that you can spend in the area of Recoleta, going to a flea market that they have right there to get souvenirs, or just walk around. And if you're very, very lucky, you might have some free uh, concert going on. They have a lot of jazz concerts and others that uh, now president, but used to be the mayor of Buenos Aires, Magri, uh, put together. He's a very, uh, you know, progressive individual and he has done great things for for the city of buenos aires so we are hoping that he will do the same for the country now and then of course buenos aires has is known for its great restaurants beef major uh also you have the estancias which are considered the dude ranches but in most cases they are estates the very wealthy people of the early 1800s and 1900s were landowners, and they became very rich, consequently built this incredible estate, some of them that are um, like castles because they each one wanted to compete with the other. So this is something that people enjoy going, the now owners of these estates uh, are opening to the clients, to the public. So you can go and spend a couple of nights there and enjoy the life of the gaucho, in brackets gaucho, but very affluent and very expensive, but worthwhile doing it for a couple of nights for sure. You also have day trips, which are not more commercial, but you still get the, the sense of what happens and how they work and they have horsemanships and and then you eat all day because from the moment you arrive they they greet you with an empanada and a glass of wine then you have you you see a little bit of the area the horses and if you want to ride horses you can do that and then comes the actual lunch with a live show of folklore dances from all over the country so it's a very enjoyable day when you're in Buenos Aires to do one of the Estancia tours, besides, of course, doing the normal tango in the evening. And if you have the time, then I would say go and take a day trip to Colonia. Colonia is not Argentina, it's Uruguay, but it's a fun day, and you take the hydrofoil, you get to Colonia, it's a little city, a colonial city, uh, it's an, an UNESCO city today, a historical heritage. So you can go there and spend the day, walk around in this quaint little city, great shopping for knitted goods, very similar to the ones they do in Ireland, as a matter of fact, hmm. and uh, then come back. And the main thing is just crossing the river plate on the hydrofoil, where you can take a bottle of wine, some mm-hmm. sandwiches, and really make it a whole day very enjoyable. Uh, so, of course, Buenos Aires, if you're lucky enough to be there on a Sunday, definitely you have to go to San Telmo and enjoy the um, the flea market there, where, they bring, where you will see a lot of stuff from uh, Europeans that have come in, especially the Jewish immigration that lived in the area of San Telmo. And uh, this is the tenement that they had when they just arrived after the Second World War, and now they have all become 
boutiques. Mm-hmm. And it has a history of its own. It only opens on Sundays, so it's definitely a must. And it's also part of the Jewish heritage tours that we have in Buenos Aires. Because you know the Jewish immigration there is practically as big as the one we have in New York. So it, a lot of people go because they try to find relatives that instead of coming to New York, they immigrated over there. We also, of course, have the other area, which is La Boca and Caminito, which is the, the more Soho part, where you see all the artists in the streets, and you can buy a lot of artwork there. Definitely something that you want to do on a tour. I don't recommend that you just go on your own. Uh, sometimes it's better to be escorted and driven there and then come out and uh, to the city of Buenos Aires again. But definitely something that you should do because you would enjoy it tremendously. Buenos Aires also has a fantastic collection of museums, mm. a tremendous uh, museums, uh, modern art and others. Melva is one of them, which is today one of the most uh, impressive museums of all Latin American um, artworks, which is worth going for a couple of hours if you have the time. And uh, most of the museums, including, of course, the Colón Theater, which is not a museum, but it is a jewel to go and see. This is one of the major um, opera houses in the world, and uh, it was opened in the 1850s. It was renovated, and it is um, maybe in the 2005 or six. it was uh, closed for a couple of years and renovated completely. It is fantastic. It's worthwhile seeing it, even if it's for just a tour, if you don't, uh, if there are no, uh, you know, operas or ballets going on, uh, which, are, you know, the time to go and see uh, an opera would be sometime in uh, June, July, August, which is their winter. It, it's more or less the same as New York, where the opera season is in the winter also. Mm. But you can see the best operas in the world and for probably half the price that you would see them in New York. That's great. Wow. Wow. Definitely. But it's worth going. It is, it's beautiful. The artworks and everything that's in there is just great just to go visit it. So Buenos Aires has a lot to offer, a, a lot to, to offer more than just a couple of days. Uh, but most people, the average is uh, three days, uh, three nights, they all want to go just for the tango, maybe, you know, the city and that, and then continue on. But it's, mm-hmm. if you have the time, I would say like, five days would be great to see Buenos Aires, the complete, everything that it has to offer anyway. Mm-hmm. Then uh, going towards um, the northern part, you can uh, start going to Iwasu Falls. Iwasu Falls is between Argentina, Brazil, and Paraguay. Uh, although the Paraguayans don't seem to, uh, nobody seems to know this, but they, the, it's, they are very involved in it. The Itaipu Dam, which is today the second largest dam in the world, is actually more in the Paraguayan side than in the Argentinian or Brazilian. 
And um, <clears throat> but again, the falls themselves are something fantastic. The Argentinian side is more spectacular than the Brazilian, but the Brazilian is larger. The only downside, probably the downside of the whole thing is the visas, that if you are only going to Argentina and you want to see both sides of the falls, you need to get a visa to go to Brazil. So this adds another $150 to the budget. So people opt to just stay on the Argentinian side and see Devil's Throat and what the Argentinian part has to offer, which is more than enough, really. Uh, so it's not like you're losing a tremendous amount. Unfortunately, Iwasu is considered a stopover destination, which is such a big mistake and a pity because Iwasu has most incredible areas like Yacutinga, which is in the Argentinian side. It takes about two hours by boat. You're in the uh, rainforest slash jungle. The amount of birds in this area and fauna is fantastic. And Yacutinga itself is a lodge, which is beautiful, very upscale, uh, not cheap, but worthwhile going. So now you've spent three nights in Iwasu without even knowing it, and you <laughs> could be anywhere in the world and not in Argentina. You could be somewhere in the middle of Brazil, for that matter. Mm. And the other one, for those that are not into jungle type of uh, situations, then you have um, a lodge which is called Don Puerto Bomberg. This is an estancia which is right smack in the middle of Iwasu, about uh, 19 miles from Iwasu itself. And the amount of things there to go kayaking and bird watching and trekking, it's a resort where you can spend three, four nights easily and enjoy going to the falls one day and then the rest of all that area, including, of course, doing the Jesuit ruins, and all these uh, things that this area offers and most people don't even know about. But it's something that I would note it down for the next time you make a trip into that part of the world. From Iwasu, you have not a direct flight, but uh, it makes a stop in Buenos Aires, but a very easy uh, uh, transfer to go to Mendoza. Mendoza, now you are in the border with Chile, and it's up in the, in the Andes. It is, of course, the center of the wine country. Mm. Uh, a lot of the Argentinians claim that the Chileans come to Mendoza and they take the wine and then sell it as, as Chilean wine. <laughs> I don't believe that, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> it, it could possibly be. But yeah. the wine in this area, the Cuyo area, is uh, it's an excellent wine, especially the red wine. And uh, you can do wine tasting here. You can stay in, in wineries that are very upscale, like Cavas, which is an all-inclusive, top of the line, all the way to three star properties in the center of Mendoza, which is a very colonial city. 
And, of course, it has other things uh, that they can offer. For those of you that are very adventurous and are into uh, climbing and everything else, you have the Aconcagua, which is the highest mountain that we have in in the Americas, actually. And this is just for expert uh, climbers. But it can be done, and people enjoy it as long as they have all the certificates to be able to do it. We have the correct outfitters to take you up. So you do have this. You have, of course, uh, trekking. You have zip lining. You have rappel, uh, rock climbing. And then, uh, last but not least, you have Leñas, which is one of the biggest ski resorts we have in Argentina. We have charters that go directly to Leñas from Buenos Aires during the season, which is July, August, and September, which is their spring um, skiing. Or you can also drive from Mendoza, but that is a long uh, trail to go. But nevertheless, it is available. So <clears throat> Mendoza, as I said, has, has different aspects besides the wine tasting. So it's known for that, but don't ignore the rest of what's available. And not far away from Mendoza, on a flight from there, you can also go by land, but it's better off flying, you have Jujuy and Salta. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, and here again, you figure, what are these two cities all about? Because they have absolutely nothing to do with Argentina, not the concept of what we think Argentina is all about. I mean, these are two uh, towns that are in the Andes, and they're all pre-Inca, a tremendous, tremendous influence of the Indians and the Andes. You also are very close to the Salt Flats, which is one of the reasons people go there. And it is also considered, you have, of course, um, the Quebrada de Umalmaca, which is an UNESCO um, is considered an UNESCO area because of all the antiquity that they have there, and you have the Inca route there also, the end of the Inca route. This was the passage that they had from the north to the south during the pre-Inca, and then it was also used during the Spanish uh, conquest. So it has a lot of history. Not for everybody, but this would be something to keep in mind if you've already seen seen most of Argentina and you would like to see something completely different. But then again, yeah. here you go back to Buenos Aires because everything is via BA, either the domestic or the international airports, and we start going to the southern part of Argentina which is the Patagonia. Mm, right. Patagonia, of course, is not a city. And when you say Patagonia, you have to specify, do I want to go to the Argentinian or the Chilean Patagonia? And where? Because the Patagonia starts in Bariloche and ends in Ushuaia, which is the very tip of Latin America. So starting with Bariloche, you have the Switzerland of Latin America. Here, 
it's all the lake region. Most of the immigration that came here were either German or Swiss, mostly German. Again, uh, this was the other immigration that came into Argentina after the Second World War, some of them before or during, but it was mostly uh, German, and they all went south and especially to this area of Bariloche. So when you get there, it's like you have arrived to Switzerland. All the construction is Tirol. We have the best chocolate you can possibly want to buy in this area. It is a great destination for the summer, uh, anywhere from December to April, for fly fishing, kayaking, hiking, and just enjoying the lake, uh, the lakes and outdoors. And then during the winter, June, July, August, you have the, the main ski resort in Argentina, which is Bariloche. So we get, it's an all-year-round destination, basically. And it's also the doorway, one of the doorways to Chile. Because you cross the lakes either on one day or an overnight in Peuya, which is right in the border, and you arrive to uh, Chile either that evening or if you opted to stay overnight the following day, and you are in Puerto Montt, which is right across the other side of the lakes, and you can start your Chile adventure. So that uh, alone is worth uh, going to Bariloche, plus the fa fact that, of course, you have any amount of of cities uh, and towns around it that are all so quaint and beautiful. You can rent a car. You can go horseback riding. You can also do bicycle tours, which are, are available for you. So there are a lot of options for tourists, either out uh, outdoors or if they just want to go for two nights or overnight also. A lot of people go overnight just because they're going to do the, the lake crossing, which, again, is a mistake because there's so many other things to offer. From here, we have uh, nonstop flights to Calafate. Calafate now is the center, uh, I would say, of the Patagonia. Calafate is where... We have the largest gla moving glacier that there is in the world, which is called Perito Moreno. Perito Moreno offers ice trekking, or you can just uh, go all the way to where the um, the catwalk is and look at the um, uh, at the glacier from the other side, going up and down this catwalk. If you're lucky enough you will see one of these pieces of ice falling, which is something that people spend hours and sometimes days waiting for this to happen with their cameras and to catch a glimpse of it because it's oh, yeah, quite impressive, yeah. yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> quite right. Yeah. But again, uh, if you really want to see the area more closely, then we have in uh, Calafate a cruise which is called the Santa Cruz. Mm -hmm. And this is a deluxe um, ship, which only, it takes uh, approximately maybe 40 passengers at the most. And uh, actually 44 when I'm reading here. 
and it has its super upscale deluxe, and it navigates for two nights, three days, all around Lago Argentino. Now, with this, you're able to see the uh, Spegasi Glacier, the Uppsala, and also Perito Moreno, but these are areas that you cannot see from the actual catwalk. So, it's I, again, it's some, another option for people that want to spend a little bit more time and see um, Calafate more in depth and not just go to Perito Moreno. From here, you also can go to Fitzroy. Fitzroy is mostly for trekkers and to spend three or four days there uh, trekking the other side of Torres del Paine because Torres del Paine ends in um, um, Chile, in Puerto Natales area, which is at the other side. And those people that don't cross over to that area can do Fitzroy, which is more or less the same. Probably not as big as Torres del Paine, the W Trek, but certainly quite exciting, and it does have all the facilities, and we have the outfitters also to organize it. The same thing that they can, the same way they can organize the ice trekking in Perito Moreno which has its restrictions. Uh, the Most of the restriction is in age. Uh, you cannot do this if you're under 15 or over 65. But otherwise, uh, as long as you're in good health and good shape, you can certainly do it without any problem. Uh, it's, I wouldn't have done it even if I was 20, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Is that you? It is. I mean, I've only seen it from the other side, uh, while on the catwalk and watching people doing this. Mm -hmm. uh, my grandson actually did go, oh, wow. and and I said, you know what? <laughs> it's not something that I would enjoy because I'm, uh, it, I'm, I had fear of this height and just to think myself dropping into one of those. Uh, ravines and never coming out again. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I would be no, too. I'm really scared of heights too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no. It's not. It's not. I say it's not for everybody, but definitely it's okay. there and it's very popular. Yeah. And uh, young people love it for the adventure. And uh, it's something that you're not going to do very much, and there are not that many places to go to do something like this. So. Certainly, it's uh, it's worth it for those that enjoy that type of thing. But anyway, from there also, from uh, from the area of Calafate, you can also opt. This is the second area that you can cross over to Chile. You can cross over through Cancha Carrera. It's a five-hour drive, and then most people will combine Calafate, which is. Uh, of course, the Patagonia in Argentina, with uh, Torres del Paine, where now you are in the Chilean Patagonia. And then from there, you go all the way down to Punta Arenas and you fly back home. So it's a very popular triangle that we have uh, going to South America and doing both countries. And that's a very a good way to see all of Patagonia 
And uh, when you're crossing, uh, everything is, you know, as normal as a daily day of work for the people that are there. And you will see the local cowboys taking their herds, which are usually, they're mostly lamb, you know, sheep, and with their sheep dogs, and they're working there, and the people stop their cars to watch them because this is what they do for a living, and it's quite uh, quite impressive. I mean, we saw a dog just sitting there watching a fox staring at the sheep, and he was watching him saying, don't you dare even make a move because I'm on your neck, you know? <laughs> and he was after his sheep and making sure they were out of the way, and well. it's, uh, it's an experience. I mean, I've never had that. Uh, I never see this kind of thing in the U.S. So for us, it was very exciting and different. So you get a little bit in touch with the local folklore, which is what makes a trip exciting, no? Not just the city, but be in touch with the people. Yeah. Now, once you you leave Ushuaí, I mean Calafate, then you continue on south to Ushuaí. Ushuaí is in the very tip of Latin America. This is an area that, uh, of course, once you get there, there's nowhere else to go except the Antarctic. And we have there, of course, Beagle Channel, where we have some tours. This is also where you take the train to the end of the world. There are quite a few resorts there, like the Aracur, Usmar Resort, Los Acebos, beautiful properties, but to go there between maybe uh, December, January, February, and March at the most. Otherwise, it's very cold. Now, this is the port to take all the cruises to the Antarctic, to the white continent, as we call it. And from here, you can uh, take uh, most of, all of the ships live from uh, Ushuaia, but you also take the uh, Australis cruise which goes only uh, through Cape Horn to Punta Arenas. And now you are, of course, in Chile. And um, otherwise, the Antarctic cruises are mostly for 10 nights, and they only run uh, from December to the end of February, some of them to mid-March, and it's something that you have to book at least one year in advance because they are very popular and they're not that many, so they get sold out very fast. Even though they are an average of $10,000 a person, but they seem to sell out very fast. Other options to go to uh, Antarctica, of course, are the fly cruise programs, which we have, but those live out of um, Punta Arenas, and uh, you fly in and fly out and take a couple of days cruising St. George Island. But that will leave it for another time. <laughs> and that's another country. <laughs> so uh, we are in uh, Ushuaia. We uh, already talked about the fact that from here is where we take all the cruises to Antarctica. And, of course... People like to go to Ushuaia only because they like to put it in their, uh, you know, 
in their wish list and say, okay, I've done it, <laughs> kind of. Right. You know? <laughs> right. But it is interesting for some people, apparently the uh, cloud formations in that area are very special. So people that are into all of this have an interest oh. in going there. That's uh, what my understanding is. Uh, but again, it's um, there's, there's very little that you can see besides the fact that you're going to get there because you want to either cross over to Chile or do one of the cruises. And the mm -hmm. most uh, popular one, of course, is the Australis cruise that does, you know, uh, they go both ways or round trip. And, that uh, has to be um, one of my mm -hmm. favorite cruises I've ever taken in my life. Even I like it better than going to Antarctica. I absolutely oh. loved it. Yes, so you, you did. Go, well, you take the zodiacs out to the mm -hmm. uh, glaciers and you go down to Cape Hope and go to the little cross out there and right. the monument. And um, I absolutely love that cruise. It you, is very, yes, it's, it's a very high-end cruise. And it's also very much for, I would say, for um, the 50s up. Right. Um, I agree. That's more or less the age range. Younger people don't tend to do that so much, uh, mm -hmm. but uh, it is very popular among the 50s and 60s and up, and they cater to them very nicely, which is very good. Mm -hmm. Then, of course, the, now starting your way up again, I would say uh, if you have the time, it's not as popular because I think it's mostly because people don't know much about it. Is the area of Puerto Madryn and mm -hmm. Treleu. Uh, this is, of course, uh, an area, one of the best areas to go and see uh, whale watching uh, during mm -hmm. the month of November, which all the whales start immigrating north. And also a lot of the uh, seals and all these rockeries there that are very, very uh, big, larger than most of other uh, places. And then one of the most, uh, uh, the biggest secret, I guess, of that area is that they have a very large uh, Welsh immigration mm. that settled right. there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, wow. <laughs> when you go there, all of a sudden you find yourself in this Welsh community that um, all, most of them are speaking Gaelic, and they keep very much all the traditions that don't even exist in Wales anymore. Wow. But as they <laughs> left their homes so many moons ago, they still have them very much alive, which... Oh, I can cool. understand, because that's yeah. the way most of the British that leave their country are. You know, they bring everything with them, yeah. and they never change, even though in in England and London everything has already, you know, uh, developed and changed, but they have not. They mm -hmm. keep the mm -hmm. same things, you know? Yeah, the traditions. So yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's very much this way, and we find it, of course, uh, all over. I mean, you find that right. in in South in everywhere in South America. I mean, it, mm -hmm. it's crazy. But this <laughs> is Trelew. Then, as you come back to Buenos Aires, 
One of the places that you that people go a lot when they're in Buenos Aires because they they want to go to the beach is to um, to Punta del Este. Punta del Este is not Argentina; it is uh, Uruguay, but it is the resort for the um, for the very wealthy Argentinians and very wealthy Europeans in general. It's becoming popular in the United States now for those that have traveled a bit to that part of the world and they've heard about Punta del Este. And uh, this is like going to the Hamptons, you know. And mm-hmm. you just say, I'm, I'm going to Punta. You don't even say oh. Punta del Este. <laughs> because Punta. if you say Punta del Este, obviously you don't know anything about it. <laughs> so you say, I'm going, yeah, to, I'm going to the summer in Punta. It's a code word. And you yeah. have incredible <laughs> hotels, very expensive. Again, from November all the way to to March or Easter, and after that, everything kind of closes down. Very few hotels left. Most of the restaurants close because their life is the summer, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's uh, that's about it. Just the summer, and uh, after that, there's no other life in that area except those people that have their own farms and estancias, you know, and they all go back to Montevideo. And you can go by hydrofoil from Buenos Aires, or you can fly. So it's a nice extension during the summer if you have the time and you want to take a few days to go to the beach, because Buenos Aires obviously doesn't have a beach. You would have to go um, all the way to the seashore, and that's about a two-hour uh you know, drive, Mar del Plata, and it's, Mar del Plata, you have to go to the to the beaches far away from the center of Mar del Plata to enjoy it. Otherwise, I don't think the American public would enjoy that beach. It's, it's cold. I agree. Very cold. I totally yeah. agree. Yeah. I mean, we have the Caribbean, so why are we going to go to Mar del Plata? <laughs> There's no reason, <laughs> you know? I know. Yeah, no. so, but Punta Arenas, I mean, Punta del Este, yes, because this is the, the rich and famous. This is a different thing. Even if the beaches are not that beautiful, uh, it's just to see everybody and see who's there, you know, and what's right. going on in fashion. <laughs> I know. But uh, this is one of, of the places that people do go from Buenos Aires. Then, uh, again, Buenos Aires has a life of its own. We cater to a lot of the gay market also in Buenos Aires. We have areas, mm-hmm. Soho areas, that have bed and breakfasts that are geared for the gay market, and they love it because they're beautiful and very quaint and very gay-friendly. We also have a lot of cruises that stop in Buenos Aires and do the one-day tours that we can cater to. Um, it's a pity to come in a cruise that only spent eight hours in Buenos Aires, but a I lot agree. of people do it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> at least at least they they can put it down in their list of places to go and say, next time I'm going to actually fly to Buenos Aires and spend a, a few days and then take a cruise, which would be, for me, the, the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, Buenos Aires, Argentina, remember, we do need a visa. It's $150, but you can do it online. So it's very easy, no big deal, and uh, you don't have to have it 
uh, stamped in your passport or send your passport to any consulate. So it's an easy deal. And a gateway to start or finish any trip around South America. I mean, you cannot finish without Buenos Aires. It's it's a must. (laughs) In my books, anyway. I agree. And I I think that is about uh, all I have to say about Argentina in general. Yeah. Well, you've certainly told a lot. Could I ask uh, your opinion? uh, Would you recommend Argentina for families? And if so, how young of a child to take? If there is a young I would age. I would say if you're talking Argentina, yes. If you're talking Argentina, uh I would say obviously reasonable ages. Uh I would think that any child under six or seven years of age are not going to enjoy any okay. anything per se. I that's my personal opinion. Uh of my, I mean you have an eleven hour flight from any mm-hmm. set point in the US, if not more. Uh, so starting from there is not an easy uh, destination to get to. But uh, if you're going to do Buenos Aires in combination with, let's say, Iguazú or going to Calafate or going to other areas, Bariloche, definitely children will enjoy it because there's a lot for them to do. Now, only Buenos Aires, uh, that's a different thing because Buenos Aires is a big city. It's... Uh, you know, walking in the streets and enjoying the architecture and going to museums. It depends how intellectual the children are. My children were not that intellectual, so for them it was, <laughs> let's have fun, you know, let's go well, riding or let's go zip lining or whatever. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right, but the museum was not there for kids. Could you give us a minimum itinerary? If you only you have, let's say, weekend days to do Argentina? I would, would say that the minimum would be the 10 days, weekend to weekend, leaving like on a Friday night, like most flights mm-hmm. are, uh, leave Friday night, uh, your Saturday morning you're there already, mm-hmm. and then take advantage of the weekend, the whole uh, five days of the week, and then come back, let's say, Saturday night to be mm-hmm. home back Sunday morning. And that would make a perfect combination to either do uh, two nights or three nights in Mendoza and four nights or three nights in Buenos Aires, or combine Iguazú and Buenos Aires, or Buenos Aires and Calafate. Those are my, you know, the most, for me, the highlights. Uh, Bariloche, Iguazú, Mendoza, Calafate. And if you do want to do more than uh, more than two cities, then I would say uh, try to do at least uh, I would say fourteen nights, so that you remember that all the flights go via Buenos Aires. So if you're in Mendoza and you want to go to Bariloche, you have to fly via Buenos Aires. If you want to do Iguazú, you have to fly via Buenos Aires. So this all is a waste of time. And also, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to be uh, sitting in airports. So I would not try to do too much in too little time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Could we also if, two mm-hmm. airports sorry. Yes, you have two airports, the international and the domestic. And so most, all of the flights arrive to Ezeiza, which is the international 
airport. Ezeiza is one hour away from Aeroparque, which is the domestic. You have to keep in mind that you arrive, you have to clear customs, that's one hour. You have the, uh, from one airport to the other, it's an hour plus, depending when you're going to do it and at what time. Because if you hit traffic during the week, it could be two hours easily. Mm-hmm. To get to Aeroparque, which you need at least one hour prior to the flight. So it's important to to figure that you need at least four hours from the moment you arrive to the moment you leave to continue on the same day to another destination in Argentina. Mm-hmm. We normally start them with Buenos Aires to avoid that. Now, if you do Mendoza, then we bring you via Santiago. We don't bring you via Buenos Aires. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because in Santiago you have a non-stop to Santiago, and the airport of Santiago is the same airport. All you do is change gates. And you don't have to go through immigration because you're not going to Chile. You're going to connect directly to Mendoza. That's okay. where you're going to clear customs. So all you do is change gates, continue on to Mendoza, which is a one-hour flight, and you're there. It's very easy and much more convenient. And then you start your program in Mendoza and then start working your way down or up, whichever way you want to go. Fantastic. Is there anything else you'd like to ask, add, Martha, about going to Argentina? Well, the only thing I would like to add is that uh, you do need this visa. Very important that you do it online that when you get the receipt from the computer, staple it to your passport. Because when you lose it, you have to pay for another visa, and it's $150. Oh, it's kind of complicated to retrieve it once you lose it. Yeah. Uh, besides that, uh, very important is that we do have a um, what we call, quote-unquote, a black market. So the official exchange might be 7 or 12 uh, pesos per dollar. But if you pay in dollars in a department store, they might give you 18 or 19 pesos. Right. There is a big difference. So you have to kind of negotiate and keep track of what the exchange is. You just ask anybody and they'll tell you, oh, they're they're giving so much today. You know, so never change a lot of pesos. Don't do it here. (laughs) Do it locally because anybody going on a tour like in our with us, you're going to be met at the airport after you clear custom, be brought to your hotel, dropped at the hotel. You don't need any money. You don't need any mm-hmm. cash. Mm-hmm. As long as you have a lot of uh, small uh, bills, like ones and fives and tens, mm-hmm. a lot of ones, so that you can tip the, the guy that brings your bags to your room, so that you can give a $5 tip to the guy that brings you to the hotel, that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. you don't, and you deal in dollars. They rather have dollars any day than pesos. Mm-hmm. So don't think that you have to go to the bank and exchange two hundred pesos, you know, because it's not necessary. And just change as you go along, you know. And you, mm-hmm. you, after twenty-four hours, you'll have it all down back. You know exactly what it is because the stores are telling you, hey, I'll give you 18 now, come over here, I'll give you 15. <laughs> so, yes, it's like Hong Kong. <laughs> if you go is to Avenida Florida, which is the uh-huh. main strip of stores, it's like being uh-huh. in Hong Kong. All the owners are outside the stores 
trying to fool people and to sell you everything. And again, uh, don't be fooled. You yeah. you get what you pay for. Yeah. If you go to a good store, um, you know, a reputable store, you're going to get beautiful leather goods, which is the main, you know, uh, thing that they, they make in Buenos Aires, furs and, and leather, shoes, pocketbooks, and all of this. But if it's a good quality, you're going to pay more for it. So don't be fooled that at the corner they're selling it for $10 while you go to Casa Lopez, which is, like the store in all of, uh, you know, the center of Buenos Aires, you're going to pay probably $80 for a pocketbook. <laughs> yes, but that that pocketbook is very good leather, and it's going to last you forever. The one you bought down the street for 15 bucks, by the time you get home, it's no good. <laughs> so be careful what you buy and make sure that it's the quality, no? So that's my advice, and don't take any jewelry. Pickpockets are everywhere in the world, so don't tempt the devil. And mm-hmm. you will be a happy camper and always have, you know, photocopies of your passports just in case in the safe deposit box. You don't need to have passports with you. Just leave everything in the safe deposit box and take copies. Thank That's you for it. listening to our show, you All Around the World. We really appreciate that. And we'd like to <laughs> yes, uh, give a shout-out. Uh, thank you, you to tell everyone how they can contact for helping compose the music, tours? the wonderful intro Absolutely. and the ending of we the show. And I'd also like to say thank you to Jane Steed for helping with the website and audio information. And also Nate Scholes about getting us on the right track and helping us on the podcast. Traveled by show. Um, so thank you so much. And, uh, enjoy all your travels around the world. And you can uh, put all your requests online or just leave us a message and we will get right back to you.